The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. Okay, hey, whatever, may it be, as you have said, I'm in, 100%. I'm cool with that. Let's make it happen. I think I need a, I think I need to grab a Coke. All right, yeah. no problem. Gabriel just came to Mary, and she's all in. She she said, cool. Okay. Okay, so Gabriel, Gabriel's done his job at this point. She's feeling pretty good about it. And now Mary and Elizabeth are pretty stoked. They get together, uh, you know, they're cousins. They're prego together. It's a good time. But let me tell you about somebody who was not so stoked. And that is... Mary's fiance, this dude, good dude, righteous dude named Joseph, who finds out that Mary is prego, and he's like, what? Who knew? Who knew that, you know, Mary was like that? So he's pretty distraught, and he plans to just divorce Mary quietly. And so that night, he's going to bed, and he's kind of tossing and turning. He finally falls asleep. And then he has this vision. This angel comes to him in his dream and says, Yo, Joseph, uh, everything's going to be okay. It might look fishy, but it's not what you think. That the child that Mary has conceived is of the Holy Spirit, not some other dude. You've got nothing to be afraid of. And this child is going to save the world from its sins. So Joseph, uh, that was what Joseph needed. Um, he wakes up and mysteriously goes back to Mary and says, you know what, uh, I, I doubted at first. Uh, I was scared, but I'm all in. Uh, we're in this together. You, me, Savior, let's make it happen. So the months pass, of course, and the first person to have uh, her baby was Elizabeth. So Elizabeth, it comes time for, for her to, to deliver, and she does. And it comes time to, to pick a name. Hey, I'm, I'm going to grab a Coke, too. Hold on one second. All right. Where were we? Uh, the naming. They were naming. They're going to... Elizabeth has a baby. And everybody's like, oh, well, surely his name will be Zechariah, right? Well, Zechariah can't talk. And so everybody's going, oh, his name's Zechariah. But Zechariah's, you know, over there shaking his head, going, no, you know, trying to get people's attention. Finally, he, he finds a tablet to write on and just says, his name is John. And his name was John. And then Zechariah could speak, and he did so and went on praising God because he and Elizabeth are the parents of John the Baptist, who was anxiously awaiting the birth of his cousin, okay? And that was gonna happen just a, a few months later. So when that happens, uh, or leading up to it, 
Caesar Augustus is the king of the Roman Empire, and he decides to do something that he's never done before, and that is to take a census. He wants to find out exactly how many people does he have dominion over. And so everybody has to go to their hometown to be counted, and so that meant that even though Mary was nine months prego, they needed to brave the holiday traffic. They had to uh, get out there from where you know from the north and go all the way uphill to Jerusalem, 13 miles in the snow, uphill both ways, barefoot. Well, maybe they were barefoot, and maybe it wasn't snowing, but it was a brutal road trip. Didn't they have to go to Bethlehem? Yeah. Yeah, city of David. Okay, uphill from where they were at. So they go, and because they got, probably because they got caught in traffic, they show up in Bethlehem, and there's no place for them to stay. They go to this, the, they go to the inn, not like the college ministry, but like a place to stay. And the dude's like, sorry, no room at the inn. But we do have a stable out back. Uh, why don't you... You know, you can stay the night out there. So, Mary and Joseph are kind of like, well, I guess we're out of options at this point. So, of course, you can see where the story's headed. They go back out there, and it comes time for Mary to, to deliver, and she delivers her firstborn son. They name him Jesus, they wrap him in clothes, and lie him in the manger. Humble beginnings out there in, in this beginning, out there in the stable on the side of this hotel. So, there's these three dudes that came from the east that end up going to King Herod after they see the star and they say, hey, we want to go and meet this child that has been born King of the Jews. We followed a star here. Now, King Herod is pretty skeptical of anybody that would be called King alongside him. Yet, he almost immediately believes because he's thinking, wait a minute, there's somebody that's trying to intrude on on my reign as king. So Herod, this bad dude, kind of quickly devises a plan where he's like, yeah, yeah, why don't you clowns go and find this child that's called king of the Jews and then come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Well, uh, the Magi say, okay, cool, we're down with that. We're going to go find this Jesus, and then we'll, we'll come back and tell you about it. Well, when those three guys go out and they do find Jesus and Mary, they bow down and worship the top child and give him some sweet gift. Gifts, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. And they like what they see, and they have figured out that Herod is not such a good dude. So they end up taking uh, the back roads home so that they don't have to interact with, with Herod so that Jesus can live. Because they knew that Herod they knew that Herod would be pretty, you know, upset. So that is the story of the birth of Jesus, who is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's totally unbelievable. God truly reminded us that trust is the currency of relationship. Trust is the currency of relationship, any rela relationship, whether it's a relationship that starts with some socks to some street youth, as Tyler shared with us, or whether it's relationship with the God of the universe that is revealed in Jesus Christ. 
So tonight we engage the beginning of the story about Jesus that we may hear the invitation to experience joy and wonder and mystery that comes in trusting Jesus and following him as the Lord of our lives. Before I share some brief, brief reflections, let me pray for us. Lord, at finals, at a busy time of year, my prayer is that you meet us in this place, that we simply may grasp the Christmas story Lord, uh, more. Help us out with that as we gather tonight. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Tonight, I want to briefly bring us back to the story that uh, I just shared on the video and highlight some of these Christmas doubters and see how they can lead us into this wonder and mystery and joy that I'm talking about at, at Christmas. So, uh, buckle your seatbelt. We're going to move this, move through this somewhat quickly because then what we're going to do is we're going to finish, uh, and Jess and Annie are going to come back up and lead us in some Christmas carols. We're going to pass out some candles and have ourselves an old fashioned kind of Christmas carol hymn sing tonight as a, as an in community. So bear with me here for, uh, for a few reflections on these Christmas doubters and how they might lead us into enjoying this season of Advent and Christmas a little bit more. So we heard about Zechariah. And the thing that you need to know about Zechariah is that he and his wife uh, were getting a little bit older in that classic story like we heard with Abraham and Sarah of this couple that tried for years and years to have kids, but they couldn't. And Zechariah ends up getting this this message, this encounter with the angel Gabriel that we hear about in Luke 1.18, where Zechariah, after getting this message that you and your wife are going to have a child, we see his doubt expressed in a question. When Zechariah asked the angel in, in Luke 8, uh, 1.18, how can I be sure of this? Isn't that a question we ask? How can I be sure of what you have just told me, Mr. Angel Gabriel? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. What Zechariah is saying right there, the way his doubt plays out, is to say what you are talking about right now, this message that you gave me, Gabriel, totally contradicts who I understand myself to be. I understand myself to be a man that has not been able to have children. I understand myself to be a man that's getting a little bit old. He doesn't doubt God. Do you hear what he's saying? He's doubting himself. How can this be? I'm getting a little bit old. Perhaps some of you were here a month ago when we did a night where we... We lit some candles and, and we came in and we, you, we invited everybody that came that night to write down uh, a doubt on a card that they received when, when you came in the door. And during our prayers that night, we invited all of you uh, that were here to come and post those doubt on some, doubts on some boards that we had up front. And over the, the days that, that followed as is I took a look at some of these doubts that, that you all wrote down. One of the, the things that was really interesting to me was that the, the primary doubt was less about the power of God, less about the plan of God, 
But more this angst that it seems that many of you share about, am I doing the will of God? Am I doing the right thing? How can I do the will of God? You see, we join with Zechariah here, don't we? We ask this question, how can this be? This is uh, an older man that we're talking about here. Zechariah says, I don't know if this is possible. I don't think I can do this. I'm too old. But God, through the angel Gabriel, communicates, God wonderfully and mysteriously can. Mary was the next to be visited by Brian, or the angel Gabriel. And the greeting that Gabriel starts off with is to tell Mary that she has found favor with God. We hear about this in Luke 1.34. And Mary gets this wonderful message uh, from Gabriel about who she is and what's going to happen. And she responds very much the same way that Zechariah does. She comes back again and asks Gabriel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Again, the problem is that it contradicts who Mary knew herself to be. Mary can't be uh, beyond, uh, much beyond her, her middle teenage years at this point. She's going, how can this be? I've never done that. How can I be pregnant? And this, this message that the angel is giving me is one that, that for me is beyond comprehension. How could God use me in this way? When I was a college student, I was in a fraternity uh, just on 17th here. And it was uh, around about the middle of my sophomore year that I really uh, began to take my faith seriously. In part through what I was hearing here at the inn and through people I was hanging out with, including guys in my, in my house. And so I continued to, to live out uh, my faith, or at least try to, and, and discover that. In my senior year, there was a, a guy that, that uh, you know, I, as far as I could tell, he had been walking with Jesus for a while. And, and finally, one day at dinner, I ended up sitting next to this guy. And we, he and I had become pretty good friends. But it occurred to me I'd never heard his story. So I just asked him, I, I said, Brian, you know, how did you, tell me your story. How did you become a Christian? How did you meet the Lord? And he, he responds uh, by saying, well, I, I started reading the Bible, and then I just watched guys like you and Maxwell. And I was totally blown away, and, and it totally caught me off guard to hear this guy say, I started hanging out with you and Maxwell. You see, for me, it was one of those things when I would hear what God was doing in other people and how God was, was using others as vessels, vessels to, to get the attention of others. I always thought that that was something that God did with other people. Not with me. God doesn't use me that way. And to be totally honest, you know, and not necessarily that I'm proud of this, but to be totally honest, I was not one of these guys that was super focused on, okay, how am I going to witness to my faith and my fraternity, and, and I need to make sure that people know all... No, no, no. I was just kind of showing up. And then I hear that God used 
me in ways I didn't even know to get this guy's attention. Mary says that she is troubled by this message that Gabriel has given her. She doesn't believe initially that she could be used by God in this way. But God wonderfully and mysteriously does. Wonderfully and mysteriously makes it possible. And then from there, I love Mary's reaction. She needs to go and be with someone. So the angel leaves her and she goes to hang out with her cousin Elizabeth. We hear about this in, in Luke 1, 39. It says that Mary got ready after this encounter with the angel Gabriel and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea when she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And her and Elizabeth hung out there for a while. And if you remember when we heard the story of Ruth and Naomi, what happens when you are doubting or, or mystified, or bewildered. We need company. And the, one of the first things Mary does is to go and connect with somebody else, to share what's going on, perhaps to share what is troubling about this, what is unbelievable about this, and together, her and Elizabeth are led to a place of praise. We then move on to the next Christmas doubter, and that is Joseph. Poor Poor Joseph. I think his reaction would be quite common. Confusion. Doubt as to if he made the right decision. Doubt if he made the right decision to marry Mary. To marry Mary. Wouldn't this be true? I mean, this is, this is the question. Last, last week when Janie read, for, read from her journal, she was asking this question, is this guy my intended? I love that, that word. Is this guy my intended? <laughs> Do you guys still use that word? Relative to dating and destiny? Yes, no, no? You should bring it back. <laughs> but isn't this a place where there is a tremendous amount of angst? Is God calling me to date this person? Should I marry this person? I, I just don't know. That's exactly where Joseph was at. In the same way that you all may experience this angst around dating, think about Joseph where, you know, he's proposed, he's got the, he's got the ring, he's thinking this is going to be all great, they're going to get married, live happily forever and ever, amen. And now it turns out his fiancée is prego. Of course he's going to ask these questions. He doesn't get certainty. He doesn't get a DNA test. He doesn't get some sort of paternity test. What he gets is assurance from an angel. But the angel says, very important, and if you tuned me out somewhere along the way, I want you back right here because this, in my opinion, is the most important thing that you're going to hear tonight. And it's the, uh, the assurance that the angel gives Joseph. And it says this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Friends, that's what 
we celebrate at Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. And for those of you that might take this Christmas break to read through the rest of the Christmas story and perhaps the rest of the Gospel of Matthew, this is the thesis of Matthew's entire Gospel, to bear witness to God with us. Emmanuel, the presence of God, is real. And in this assurance to Joseph... He says, Joseph, you're going to have to trust Mary. You're going to have to trust this angel. You're going to have to trust God. And he wonderfully and mysteriously stays. From Joseph, we get to hear about these shepherds who they go from, from terror to amazement. These shepherds who, they're night shift shepherds. They're the, they're the lowest of the low. Think about, in, in some ways I think it's fair to hear about these people that Tyler meets with here in the U District. And when we talk about, about night shift shepherds, we think about people on that type of a margin. People that have been dealt a difficult hand in, in their own life. Yet they are the ones that first hear this proclamation that we get, that we hear about in Luke chapter 2. When it just says that there were shepherds that were out in those fields, keeping over their flocks, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. Terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the, a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to them, those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go check it out. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. These night shift shepherds, the lowest of the low, go from terror to praise in getting to hear the mystery and wonder about what God has done in bringing this little child. Finally, we came to a man in King Herod that, honestly, how awesome of a King Herod was McAvoy. With McAvoy, with McAvoy. Here's what we first learn about Herod. Matthew 2 says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. It seems ironic that Herod seems like the one that is quickest to believe. More so than Zechariah, more so than Mary or Joseph, who had doubts, who asked questions. 
Herod is immediately threatened. He's disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. What do we make of this? Herod is disturbed because it means that if there is another king, it means that he is not king. If Jerusalem is disturbed, think of everybody else. It means that they are coming into contact with the fact that the king is troubled. And who they thought was, was king is also not the king. What I think this story tells to us when we hear King Herod was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him, what we hear is that we come into contact with the fact that we ourselves are not God. We are not the Lord of our own lives. Herod found himself in a place where he's threatened by a little child. A little child. Herod is mysteriously and wonderfully dethroned by a baby. Herod is dethroned. Herod, you got to understand, was one that wiped out his own sons when he got mad. Herod is one who destroyed. And Herod is dethroned by one who comes not to destroy, but to save. That is the mystery and wonder of Christmas. A child that comes, God incarnate, to be with us, and the promise is to be saved from our sin. Mystery and wonder that a child could do that. God can. Right after Thanksgiving... I went out to be with my family in Port Angeles. On the way home, we went and cut down a Christmas tree. And we, we, when we got home, it was getting all the, the decorations out and getting the tree uh, put up. And, and uh, as many of you know, I have a 14-month-old son. And, you know, so as we're getting this tree uh, in the house, and believe me you, I can't wait for that day when, you know, Carson is looking at me going, Dad, that tree won't fit in our front yard. And I can look at him and go, Carson, it's not going in our front yard. It's going in our living room. <laughs> but as we, as we did, as we participated uh, in, in getting everything up for Christmas and getting the tree in there and the lights up and all the decorations in there, Carson was just totally taken aback by all that, that seems so different in our house. There's this big green thing and there's all these lights and as Julie and I got, uh, grabbed something to eat and Carson got to stay up past his bedtime. It was just incredible to watch Carson take these, these lights and just be in awe. To find other things that were in our house that were just different and it totally consumed his attention. It was as if Julie and I weren't even there. And we just sat there and watched him as, as he looked at everything that was different. And friends, what it was, was the joy and wonder of mystery that I hope that we can capture just this much of, even during finals. Even during a season of chaos. Even in a time where many of you are hyper-concerned with getting it right, to, to get the right answer, to be able to prove that to your professor and make the grade, to be certain in your finals. 
friends, hear the invitation to the opposite. The invitation of this season, of Advent and Christmas, is to come with faith like a child to enjoy the mystery and wonder of a child that has come to save us from our sins. The mystery and wonder of a child that is for everyone forever. For everyone forever. Friends, that's what Christmas is all about. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for the mystery and wonder that is this season. I want to pray for these students that they can stop and rest in that mystery and wonder and joy. Uh, Not only after finals, but during. Uh, Lord, be with us by your Spirit. Even in all of our uncertainties and all of our doubts, may we know the reality of your presence with us uh, this season. Lord, I want to pray that by your Spirit, you would make yourself real to us. As we sing songs, as we serve others, as we hang out with our families, we go to church on Christmas. Lord, make yourself real to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Jess and Annie are going to lead us in some songs, and we are going to be passing out some candles that will be brought about. Make sure you grab one, and then uh, we'll light them starting at probably the sides and the back of the room. Here's the rule when it comes to lighting candles. Tip your candle towards the lighted one, not take your lighted one towards the unlighted one, because that creates obvious problems for other people's hands and the carpet. So uh, feel free to, to light, light up your candle. Uh, we're going to sing some, um, some Christmas carols, and then when, you, when we're done after the benediction, you can blow out your candle uh, or pinch the flame, whatever you want to do. And then we'll have, uh, we'll have some boxes at each of, of the doors that you can put the candles in before we leave. Enjoy this time. Enjoy. Sing some songs that are familiar. Uh, Enjoy the company of each other. And let's experience the reality of the mystery and wonder of Christmas together.